It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 57. Bellinger is staying. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Facebook, or email us at Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy Monday and uh, happy uh, MLB trade deadline, uh, Eve. Yeah, it, it there, there's a lot of lot of uh, rumors bubbling. It, it's it's an exciting time, and from all accounts, it looks like the Cubs are looking to be buyers and not sellers. So that's a really big turning point. Looks that way after taking uh, three of four from the Cardinals down in St. Louis. Let's get right after it. Start the recap, Crowley. Game number one was Justin Steele, and wow, was this one a doozy. Yeah, I told you Miles Michaelis creeps me out, right? Uh, it, it was it was it was hot on the field to start the game with field temperatures over a hundred, and it didn't take long for the teams to get heated as well. Miles Michaelis is on the mound. He gets the first two outs, no problem. He falls behind Ian Happ, but on the third pitch, Ian swings and his backswing catches former teammate Wilson Contreras in the back of the head. Now Wilson's gushing blood. Trainer comes out. Wilson, we all know he's a tough guy. He wants to stay in the game, but the bleeding won't stop. He has to come out. That's it. Now, I, I, for those of you that are subscribed to the SCORE YouTube channel and are watching this, I'll, I'll describe the picture right here. Ian Hat feels horrible, right? He's coming out of the game. He gives uh, Wilson a, a hug. Uh, Wilson gives him the old butt tap, and Wilson is out of the game. Okay, this is, this is taking care of themselves. These are friends and whatever. Well, of course you have to go with the red ass Cardinal way. Don't you the next? <laughs> so now Michaelis play is resumed. He buzzes the tower up and in on Ian Hap. All right. The next pitch hits some flush in the hip. The umps get together determined. There's clearly intent. And Michaelis is tossed from the game. He gone. Man- Manager Oliver Marmel is tossed trying to defend his player. And then Michaelis is chirping at the Cubs dugout. Haven't played one inning yet, and the Cardinals are down their starting pitcher, starting catcher, and manager. Is this the stupidest thing you could ever imagine, Dustin? I it's, mean, pr- it's pretty bad. It's not a way to start a four-game series against your rival, especially when your team is uh, on the rocks, to say the least. Um, you know, the Cardinal way, as everybody likes to say, I think is uh, I think is dead. I think Bernie Miklas told us that the Cardinal way is dead. It, it, it's here's the thing, like you said, four-game series. So you know, and you know how Cubs Cardinals go. You know you're going to need. And, and here's the thing. 
Everybody heard that the Cardinals are selling. You don't know what bullpen pieces you're going to have. You don't know anything. He put his team in an absolute hole. It was about the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then, you know, I laughed because here comes the post game. And this is, this is always classic here. You know, I was a little surprised. Um, you know, I, you know, threw a pitch inside, you know, it got him. And, uh, you know, he was just, he was just going to take his base. You know, there was, there was no chirping or anything um, between sides. He was going to take his base. And I was waiting on, on the next ball, go get the next hitter. And, um, you know, they had a meeting and, and decided to toss me. If there was intent, and they mentioned the previous pitch, right, would you think a warning would have been issued at that point? Yeah, you know, you know, if I could trade this guy before my locker, uh, you know, I threw inside to a lot of guys. Um, you know, I threw an inside and it hit him and, you know, there was no warning and, um, you know, the umpires can believe what, whatever they want to believe they had a meeting and, you know, that was their choice. Okay. L- let's break down that load of crap. Of course, he's not going <laughs> to say, he's not going to say I hit him because that would just get him in more trouble. He's trying to appeal his suspension. It's, Technically a one game suspension. It's a start suspension. I wish they would quit saying it's a five game suspension. Right, it's not, right. not suspended for five games, but it, it, it clearly. So what you don't want to do in that situation is that you don't want to warn both sides. First of all, the Cubs didn't do anything. So that why would you issue warning? Why would, what are they being warned about playing baseball? And so when you do that, when you give the warnings, you have to be really careful about pitching inside because if you do accidentally clip somebody, you're going to get ejected. And so there's no point. He buzzed him inside, didn't give him the warning. Hopefully that was it, but he didn't, and he did it again. And so don't say I was pitching inside or any of that crap. You hit him, and that was it. And and here's the thing that bothers me, Dustin. I know that like St. Toothless has a lot of dumb fans, and – and all this stuff. But there are some smart people out there. Katie Wu from The Athletic. Uh, we had Chip Carey on this show. He's the broadcaster. Their broadcast, uh, their beat reporters all acted like they didn't understand what happened. You can't go at somebody like that. There was clearly intent and the call was right to eject them. If you want to do that, you want to be the hard ass and you want to teach the other team a lesson, supposedly, well, then take the consequences. But don't pretend like we're all stupid. We didn't know what that was all about, and you didn't know what that was all about either. Yeah, Chip Carey's partner just flipped out, thought it was the dumbest thing he ever saw, some hilarious, hilarious audio that's all over the place. So then, Crowley, from there, they get Dakota Hudson warming up, (laughs) and he's got to come out there, right? And this guy doesn't even think he's going to see the game, let alone be in in the uh, very beginning of the game. Cubs right. take advantage. That's the best part. Right. You know, he has to hurry up, warm up. You know, you don't get your routine. It's just a disaster. He gives a single to Cody Bellinger. He walks the next two batter, which allows Bellinger to score to make it one nothing. Morell hits a ground rule double to score two runs, and the Cubs are up three nothing. The awesome thing about all of this, Dustin, is because Michaelis hit Hap and Hap comes around to score, that's his runner, and he's going to take the loss because the Cardinals will never take the lead. So enjoy that one, Michael, as you creep. Um, <laughs> with two outs in the third, Jan Gomes would hit a single to make it 5 nothing. Miles Mastroboni would hit an infield single with runners at the corners. Cubs would be up 5 nothing. The Cubs would score a run in the sixth after Nico let off the inning with a double and eventually would come around to score on a Seiya Suzuki ground out. That made it 6 nothing, and then Jan Gomes would add an RBI total with the two-double in the seventh to make it 8-1. to one. And why not? Mike Talkman singles in the ninth, finished up the Cubs scoring as they would go on to win 10-3. to three. The offense scored 10 runs on 14 hits. Talkman, 
Bellinger and Morrell all had three hits and Gomes would go two for four with three RBIs. And that was a lot of fun, Dustin. And you knew, you knew that once the Cubs had that three, nothing lead, Justin Steele had nothing to worry about. He was just saying, go ahead and hit it. If you want, uh, he cruised six innings, gave up five hits, one run, four K's and three walks. It was a hard night to pitch, obviously in that heat, you know, always tough to grip. Um, he never had any trouble in the photo, Dustin, you're going to love this stat. This is a guy, he has not lost to the Cardinals all year. Every start he's had against the Cardinals, he is victorious. Last person to do that was Greg Maddox in 1992. Uh, and that was his Cy Young year, if you remember. So, you know, the start by steel, the quality start, the big lead allowed Ross to rest the bullpen after that crazy final game against the White Sox. So Daniel Palencia, Anthony Kay, and Michael Rucker all came in for an inning of relief. Palencia looked good with two Ks and gave up no hits. For the Cardinals, the only offense came from uh, Adam Kinzinger, who hit a solo home run off Justin Steele in a two-run blast off Anthony Kay. He wasn't even supposed to be in the game, came in after Wilson's injury. That win, Dustin, put the Cubs back at 500 for the first time since May 12th. That is huge. A long time coming. May 12th was quite a while ago, and uh, the Cubs are back to 500 as they get into game number two. And this was the old uh, TBD before, and uh, we speculated on who it might be, and it in fact was Wes Nasty. Wes Nasty came in versus Jordan Montgomery, and uh, I'm going to say I, I was a little disappointed. I'm going to explain why, right? For the second time against the Cardinals, the Cub went with the opener strategy. So there's something against with Drew Smiley being a lefty, something about the Cardinals lineup that they want to do an opener for a couple innings. They did it with Fulmer, and that's what they did with Wesnaski. He started the game and immediately gave up a leadoff home run to Lars Newtbar, he of the of the cookie and crunch. But after that, uh, Hayden settled down. He went two innings, gave up two hits. One of them was that home run, one walk, and four Ks. Okay. Now, last time the Cubs tried the opener with Smiley, it didn't work as he was hit like a piñata. But this time around, it did. And just like Wesnaski, the first batter he faced, Lars Newtbar to get, start his outing, he gave up a home run, but then settled down, retiring the next 10 batters. So Smiley looked better than he had in a long time, going 4.1 innings, giving up two hits, one walk, and six Ks. My only thing, Dustin, I know the opener strategy, but see what you got with Wesnitsky. Let him go a little bit. I thought that two and done was a little bit much. Yeah, I think they could have kept it going a little bit, but they they are very by the book. They put a plan in place, and they want to go ahead and execute it. There's no doubt about that. Right. So the offense, though, didn't look that great against Jordan Montgomery. Lots of missed opportunities. Patrick Wisdom yep. put the Cubs on the board in the fifth with a solo home run. Cubs took the lead in the sixth when they loaded the bases with one out. Dansby Swanson hits a sack fly to tie the game at two. And the Cubs loaded the bases again. And Trey Mancini hit a clutch two out single. That put the Cubs up three, two. But it felt like they could have scored a lot more runs in that inning. Ian Happ let off the double with the eighth, but the Cubs could not drive him in. Even more frustrating in the ninth, the Cubs had two on and no outs, and then they had Miguel Amaya bunt. That turned into a 1-5-4 double play that really kind of ended that threat. So you had a feeling, Dustin, that those missed opportunities would come back to bite them, and it almost did. Almost did indeed. The Cubs are up 3-2 in the ninth. Alzelay's on the mound, and Ross moves Bellinger from center to first. Mike Talkman, the Palatine Pounders in the game. Uh, Wilson Contreras and uh, Tyler O'Neill hit back-to-back -back singles to lead off the inning. 
But with Brandon Donovan at the plate, the Cubs defense turned a fantastic double play. Nico to Dansby to Bellinger. So you got two outs, but Wilson's at third, 90 feet away from tying the game. Alec Burlinson at the plate with two outs. He hits one 401 feet over the center field wall. But Mike Talkman times his leap perfectly, reaches over the wall, robs Burlinson of a walk-off home run. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I was with some people watching that game uh, outside on a, on, a, on a screen, and uh, we had a blast cheering that one in. And the Palatine Pounder got yelled a couple of times. I'll say it. Oh, right, let's go. He's all yeah. pumped up. Alzali's pumped up. How about this one, Dustin? The Cubs started the season 2-10 and 10 in one-run games through May 21st. Since then, they've won nine of their 11 one-run games. Yep, and that's how you get back to uh, over 500, Crowley. That's a recipe to do that. There's no doubt about that. All right, well, when we get to game three, Jamison Tyone riding a little bit of a hot streak versus Adam Wainwright. The Cubs win 5-1. to one. Tyone was trying to continue a string of good starts. It started out shaky. I'm not going to lie, Dustin. As the first two batters in the first hit singles and with runners at the corners, Lars Newtbar with that creamy uh, filling hit a sack fly to make it one to nothing before he got Nolan Arenado to ground into a double play. Then in the third inning, he gets the first two outs, but then he walks the bases loaded in front of Nolan Gorman. That's not good, but he gets Gorman to fly out to end the threat. After that, he settles down. He didn't give up a base runner from the fourth to the sixth inning. Tyone gets the quality start going six innings pitch, gave up only two hits, walked four, Three of those in that third inning that I said, but he struck out four. So again, another really good performance by Jamison Tyone. Yeah, I just got to figure out how to cut down on those walks. That's for sure. I I think when you get into the four walk area, it's it's getting a little get a little tricky if you should call that a quality start. Right, and and I think the main issue of that was it was in one inning. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't spread right. out. So some, I don't know what happened. His mechanics out of whack. Tommy Hadaby fixes it like he always does. No problem there. Down one nothing in the top of the third. Indian Ian Happ continues his complete dominance of Adam Wainwright. He crushes a two-run home run. Mike Talkman along for the ride comes up 2-1. Then in the fourth, Jan Gomes adds a two-run home run of his own to make it 4-1. The Cubs added some insurance run in the seventh when Nick Magical, fresh off the IL, singled and scored on a Mike Talkman double as the Cubs let 5-1. But you said the Palatine Pounder. Let's talk about the series he had against St. Louis. On Thursday, he had three hits, a home run, and two RBIs. On Friday, he plays one inning. He had the game-winning catch. And on Saturday, he had three hits, a run, and an RBI. Now you got to ride this guy, Carly. You got to ride this guy all the way out. Now, I will tell you one thing, though, Dustin. As much as I love beating the Cardinals, and they did Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday, here's the thing that gets me a little bit nervous. They struggled with runners in scoring position. The last two on those games, on Friday, they went one for seven with runners in scoring position. And on the game on Saturday, they were 0 for six. That's a recipe for disaster normally, no doubt. When they hit home runs, okay, you can cover that up, right? Two two run home runs in this game, home runs on the game on Friday. But for me, the pattern I've noticed in this season is, is they could still win some games without doing well in runners in scoring position, but it doesn't last long. The Cubs are not a home run hitting team. And so if all of a sudden, look, you don't have to go, you don't have to go six for 12, but you can't go over six or one for seven. You got to be somewhere in the middle there if the Cubs are going to be successful. And that's what had me nervous going into Sunday. 
No doubt. No doubt about that. So we get to Sunday. We got uh, Kyle Hendricks against Steven Matz, and Matz has been pretty awful most of the year, but... <laughs> Against the Cubs, right? Against the Cubs, that's not the case. All good things come to an end. The Cubs came out flat on Sunday. Their eight-game winning streak comes to an end. Lars Newtbar, who has that cookie crunch, tortured the Cubs all series. He leads, he leads off a game with a single, and it bounces off the glove on Christopher Morrell. Awful play. That allows Newtbar to get to second. That should have been a single and an error. But for, you know, the hometown score gives it a double. The Cardinals take the lead when Tyler O'Neill hits a single to drive in Newt Bar. Those two guys really did a lot of damage, O'Neill and Newt Bar. That made it one to nothing. In the second, Hendricks allowed three straight singles to make it two to nothing. And then Paul Goldschmidt, you couldn't keep him quiet the whole season. Uh, no, four not game the whole series. time. No. He singles to make it three to nothing. All three of the Cardinals' runs came with two outs. After the second, Kyle settled, settled down. He pitched five scoreless innings, seven innings pitch. He gave up eight hits, three runs, one walk, and only two Ks. So you'll take that from Kyle Hendricks. Now, Steven Matz, only, he had zero wins coming into last week, and he got his first win against the Cubs. Well, guess what? He gets a second win against the Cubs. So the guy has two wins all season both against the Cubs. The offense was absolutely flat. The Cardinals are trading all their players during the game. Jordan Montgomery, Jordan Wicks, I'm, hug watches everywhere. And I'm thinking maybe they're going to get down and the Cubs will be able to get back up. Right. The you Cubs, thought if they could get to their bullpen a little bit, maybe something could happen, right? Right, right. Because you, you don't know who they're holding out and and, right. and and all this stuff. But they only got five hits. Jan Gomes was the only player with multiple hits. He had two they did not have one walk the entire game. They left only five men on base because nobody reached. They went 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position and only had one extra base hit, Ayan Gomes double. So, Dustin, as we Sunday take... Sunday's also not their day, Crawley. They seem to struggle no. on Sundays. Good on Fridays, bad on Sundays. But, Dustin, as we look here, the Cubs have done their job, right? They won eight in a row. They won five of six on this road trip. They're th they are now 3.5 games behind the Brewers and four games behind the Reds. They've put themselves in the playoff race. I just get worried with the runners in scoring position issue because once that rears its ugly head, it usually means a cold streak is coming. And with the Reds coming into town, you're not going to be able to win close games. The Reds don't do close games. The Reds do high-scoring games. And if you can't drive runs in, it's going to be a very long four-game series. Bite your tongue, Crowley. Bite your tongue. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 57. Bellinger is staying. In this segment, Crawley interviews Gordon Whitmire, beat writer for the Cincinnati Inquirer, longtime Cubs guy, to talk about the first place Cincinnati Reds. Joining me now on the fly, the W podcast. I'm so excited. Our friend Gordon Whitmire is back. How you doing, Gordo? I'm doing great. Uh, team I'm covering is like close to first place. It's like uh, back in the day with the Cubs. <laughs> well, hold, hold on here, because all of a sudden you go to Cincinnati and they go on a massive run. Are you taking any credit at all for that? I'm taking all the credit, of course. Dude, <laughs> the Cubs didn't win a World Series for 100 years till I got there. So, you right. know, try to tell me it's not me. 
I, I got to say it's special, but we, we do got some breaking news as far as the Reds. David Bell signs a three-year contract extension. What can you tell us about David Bell uh, in the time that you've been covering the Reds? I mean, obviously you've covered him um, mm-hmm. with the Cubs and now with the Reds. You know, it, I, I'm kind of happy for the guy. He doesn't seem like, a you know, a jerk of any kind. And, you know, he's been going through this rebuild, which has been a long, long rebuild. And it's kind of nice to see him get rewarded. Yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it. He was with the Cubs, so I covered him there. I covered him as a player in Seattle uh, back in the 90s. Uh, you know, I, I discovered then how good a guy he was. He's also a tremendous competitor. I mean, this guy, I don't know if you've seen him argue with umpires. When, when he gets angry, he's, he can argue with an umpire with the best of them. He can, he can throw a Gatorade jug with the best of them. Uh, and uh, back in his playing days, this guy was the first guy to join a fight if, if he needed to defend his, his teammates on the field. Um, I just ran into uh, another guy I covered. You remember Todd Green, the old catcher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I covered Todd in Anaheim, and, and we had a couple beers recently, and he said, we were talking about David Bell, and he said – because David Bell is the most mild mannered guy in the world to talk to him. Soft spoken, even a great human being just it makes you feel like you're the most important person in the world when you're talking to him, just a great guy, but he's got this other side to him. And Todd says, Oh yeah, he's got this other side to him. He says, when I was with the angels, this must've been the year after I left. He said, uh, they got in a big fight with the Mariners. Um, and he said, he wasn't even in the game. He wasn't even on the field. And then he shows me this picture on his on his phone he, that he kept. <laughs> and here's here's David Bell diving in from the from the edge of the photo onto onto uh, Todd, <laughs> who's a big, strong guy. Like I, I mean, he wasn't just built like a catcher, but he, this guy, I don't know if you ever saw him hit home runs when he connected. They went a long way. He's that, a big, strong guy. And here's David Bell, little infielder diving on him. <laughs> So that's the that's the two sides of him. The other part of him is what a great baseball man. Um, he comes from a, a long line of baseball guys: Gus Bell, Buddy Bell, David Bell, his brother Mike, who passed a couple of years ago. Um, just a, 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 a tremendous baseball man. You listen to him talk about baseball, and you can you can understand every move he makes and you, and, and it's, there's, there's sound reasoning behind it all. Even if you don't always agree with it, even if it doesn't always work, I, I think it's a, uh, it seemed to me like this was an inevitability. I don't know how you would have not, especially the way the team's playing, but even if the team was going along sort of as scheduled and just kind of getting incrementally better with some of these young players or, or, or some of the young players were developing, but maybe the team wasn't winning as much. I, I still think you, I, I don't know why you would have gone away from him and not extended him. So uh, I think he's, uh, you know, uh, trade council's probably right at the top in that division. You know, I know people aren't going to be think think too much of this, but I think Rossi's a good baseball guy. I think I think Rossi's been dealt a, a flawed hand, and that's a big part of what's gone on this year. Still, the jury's out a little bit on him, but but I think you know I like those three guys as managers in that division. Right, and then the question is: Is Council going to be gone next year? It looks like right. uh, Daddy Steve Cohen wants him on New York, so that'd be I would be happy to see Craig Council leave, to be honest. But 
you know, the, it's weird because you got this whole new 30 team. Everyone plays everybody thing. And it's the Cubs have only played the Reds twice, once in April and once in May. And, 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 and they had a rain out. And they had a rain out. And so I think it just what, what blows my mind, though, is that, you know, the Reds didn't start this season out really great. And 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 I remember being mad because the Reds swept the Cubs in, what was it, May? And, in and then, May, yeah. Memorial Day, I believe, that weekend. Right. And, and not only that, they just absolutely cru- not Justin Steele, crushed Justin Steele, beat Jamison Tyone. Hunter Green threw six no-hit innings. I mean, it was unreal. And I think you guys broke Drew Smiley. And so now <laughs> you're sitting here. and But, but I think to hey. me – it's not you guys. <laughs> well, I, I guess I did take credit for it. So what am I? Yeah, maybe I got to own that. But but I will say, in all honesty, like, you know, that series against Cincinnati bothered me because you guys weren't that good in Cincinnati at the time. And I'm like, okay, that should be two out of three for the Cubs home, you know, whatever. And I think that really, to me, that Cubs series was really the start of things starting to really kind of get moving for the Reds. What, what, do, what, what did you see that kind of turned this team around? Yeah, you know what? That's they think that too. That's their that's when everything began to turn. So this team came out of spring training with some some loaded talent sitting at AAA. And they knew that they were going to be strategic about when they brought some of these guys up. They wanted to see them perform and, and bring them up. You know, um, manipulating uh, uh, service time isn't the issue that it used to be. Uh, although there might've been a little bit of that with the super two stuff, um, maybe with a guy or two, but certainly not Matt McLean. And that's where it all started. He came up on May 15th. He's got this, he's a, he's an athletic shortstop. He's one of the fastest guys in the league. He's got a nice short swing with some pop and he energized them. So it was, it was, uh, about two weeks later, might even been less than two weeks later that that Cubs series came up. So he comes in lengthens their lineup a little bit, improves a, a really bad defense, honestly. Um, and so he makes their infield a lot better right away. And Hunter Green's pitching well at that point. And uh, Graham Ashcraft was going through some some bumps and bruises. He's another one of their good young pitchers. Um, but they start scoring more runs, and it's kind of stabilized. That, that Cubs series that they swept, they went into Boston right after that and won two out of three. Now you're talking about the first part of June. Then they, they get the Brewers and lose three, and then Andrew Abbott debuts. That was my first day, June 5th. He shuts out the Brewers two to nothing, and he's been the best rookie pitcher in baseball ever since. He's got a 190 ERA and 10 or 11 starts. Uh, and then the next day, Ellie De La Cruz debuted. And Ellie De La Cruz was this bolt of lightning from the heavens because he reached base a couple times. Okay. Nice debut. Next day, it's a 458 foot home run that barely didn't leave the ballpark. Uh, by the way, he hit one last weekend in Milwaukee that did leave the ballpark. It, it went through one of those, uh, one of those window panes out in right field <laughs> past that car that's up on the display there. Uh, and in the meantime, in, in between all that, He's stealing as many, like he breaks into the top 10 in the National League in stolen bases. He becomes the fastest guy clocked in baseball for sprint time. He becomes the fastest guy ever in the StatCast era clocked for a throw um, uh, among a position player. 99.8 miles an hour on a relay throw uh, to the plate. Um, 
and he had 90, a couple of 97s on just throws to first. So he's got, he's got every kind of power and he's a middle infielder. Um, he's been, he's been toggling between short and third and in a rotation that involves McLean and some other guys. When he came up, they, they won that day. They won the next day. They lost a couple and they won 12 straight. And he was a huge part of the 12 straight. Um, and when and you then, think about that, 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 that's something that the big red machine didn't even do. Right. They hadn't done that since the 50 year old manager's grandfather played for the team in 1957. That's how historic it was for that team. And, and as, you, as you said, the big red machine, every, if you think great reds teams, it's the first place you go. It's maybe the only place you go and they never did it. Um, so, I mean, what's going on there is, is real talent. It's also real young. And if they don't get some help at the deadline, I don't know how long they can sustain it, even with a couple guys coming back from the IL. But it's been uh, amazing to watch. And I'll, I'll throw one more thing in there, man. Um, I'm not a culture guy. I think that gets overused in sports so much. I, you know, talent is what wins. They've got a lot of talent. But they've also got – it. It's a little bit, there's just a little bit of Joe Madden flavor to this in the sense that um, Lawrence Holmes likes to use the word superpower. It, Joe's superpower is that he can make young players believe they belong sooner than maybe they have a right to. I, I, you saw some of that in 2015, carried over into 2016. Uh, this team has a culture that does that. A uh, little bit of that's, David Bell, he doesn't have the power of personality that Joe Madden did, but they have a, uh, a team environment that they've really nurtured that, you know, if you want to call it culture, you can call it culture. They call it culture all day long, but it is a very supportive all in environment. Um, they've got one of the fastest teams in baseball, just in terms of the metrics uh, for the top 40, I think fastest sprint times are on that team. And like, 12 guys that have played this year are above average in, in sprint time. So uh, they got one of the fastest teams and they really try to exploit that on the bases. Um, they've got about 500 here the last couple of weeks. And, and part of that's because teams have figured out ways to slow them down, but they're, they're ultra uh, aggressive on the bases. They have a meeting every day that they call their base dealers meeting. I mean, you talk about optimism. I mean, it's not a base runners meeting. It's a base stealers meeting. And so it's basically everybody but the catchers. Um, and, then a, and then a coach uh, is in there. They get full buy-in on that. I mean, I've never heard of that anywhere. I've never seen that anywhere. Um, those, those Cubs guys in 15, 16, those young guys, that's a good group. They're all good guys. I can't imagine them buying in to a daily meeting every single day before every single game and getting 100%. It's optional. You don't have to go to it. They get a hundred percent buy-in on that. That speaks to something. If you want to call it culture, you can call it culture. You want to call it team chemistry, you can call it team chemistry. I think it contributes to the group being better than the sum of its parts right now. Right. And I, and I, and I remember when McLean came up and that Cubs, I'm like, who is this guy? And like you said, now you got Ellie De La Cruz. Cubs never even faced him just yet. So that's that, that, that we're kind of getting into this very interesting stretch right now where the Cubs have won, you know, they're what, seven in a row right now. And they're, they're sitting here, they're rolling and you have the Brewers 
and the Reds in front of you, and, and if the Cubs have gotten into the weak part of their schedule, right? You had uh, St. Louis, who's not the same team they were. You had the White Sox 20 games under, waving the white flag, the Nationals. So when the Reds, when, when, when Chicago travels to Cincinnati, they got a really kind of rough week coming up because it's going I to I think be, it's the other way around, right? Isn't it the Reds coming? Or, I'm sorry, the Reds are coming home, back, back to Chicago. You're right, because I'm going to be at the game, so... Uh, yeah, you got the Cubs, at, or you got Cincinnati at home, and then they're going to have to end up playing New York, and there's going to be, and Atlanta. Yeah, they got Atlanta a, right after the Reds. Right, so that's where it's going to start getting a little bit tricky here. So yeah, I, I'm 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 definitely concerned just because th- this is where the Cubs are right now is they have to. This is going to Cincinnati is going to be the test, and they have not played them with a couple of the guys that you mentioned since the last time they faced each other. So, I think one of the things that people are concerned about with Cincy is the starting pitching. Would you agree that? Oh, I, I heard I heard that there was you know there's rumors that they were looking at trading with the Sox, but the Sox have gone a different direction. So yeah, I mean where where do you see the starting pitching for the Reds going? Yeah, their rotation uh, all season long has been among the three worst in baseball. And they, they've improved since the all-star break and it's basically young guys um, sort of growing. Uh, and so they've probably, they're probably still among the four worst and they might still be among the three worst. And, you know, those, the other teams, as you might imagine, are, are teams like, you know, Kansas city and, and Oakland, Colorado. So these are, uh, you know, the worst of the worst. That's what bad starting pitching is supposed to mean. And so they really do need to, in my mind, they have to add a starting pitching pitcher, somebody, even if it's a back end guy, that's a veteran who's been there. Um, there were, I thought that if you couldn't go get some of the better ones that were out there and there really aren't that many that Lance Lynn could have been a fit. They've got payroll flexibility, believe it or not. They could have just taken a flyer on him. He's got a relationship with, with bell and he's been there his peripherals are there too so he looks he looks looks like a classic fresh start guy he also looks like a classic old guy so you know which one of those plays out you you're definitely taking a chance and they were asking so much for him that 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 never really came into play they would have much rather had giolito as most teams and then you saw how much you know the uh, what the uh, angels gave up for him so um I don't know. I wonder at this point, I knew they were going to go down to the end. I don't, I don't know what, what they're going to get. They have to at least add a couple of relief pitchers because they've been one of the consequences of this poor rotation is that the, I think only five teams in baseball have had more bullpen innings put on them. And the bullpen has been almost heroic for the names that are out there. I mean, they've got a bona fide all-star closer. Um, and then, I mean, the, the one lefty in the bullpen who's done a great job, basically saved the game last night against LA is, is a guy that was a uh, minor league signing in in the spring, Alex Young, a journeyman guy. These guys have been doing the job, but man, you've seen it over the years. If, if one side of your pitching staff puts too much weight on the other side, eventually the side that's performing starts to crack. And uh, I just think that is two months of sort of the sort of the hottest, most intense baseball coming up. And I just don't know how you survive. If you don't get somebody. They, they do have a couple key guys coming off the IL that'll help, but you're going to do this all with rookies and second year guys and expect to uh, outlast the brewers and hold back the Cubs and then do 
anything in October. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it without getting help. And I don't know what they're going to get. It's going to go down to the last probably hour. Now, if, if anyone's been watching any baseball fans, those Brewers uh, Red series have been really, really good series. But it seems like the Reds just kind of don't have enough to compete with them right now. Uh, do you think that's something as far as experience is concerned or more of a talent issue? I think it's, it's, it's been pitching, just pure pitching. They got a couple of wins when Abbott pitched. I mean, uh, like, like I said, his debut was against the Brewers, and they'd lost three straight to him. He beat him two to nothing. He's faced him three times and beaten him twice. The time in between, they crushed him in Milwaukee. And uh, I, I swear to God, it's the only time he's been hit hard. And I, they must have been hacking the uh, pitch com or something. Because, <laughs> and you know, there have been rumors of those guys in the past. It, anyway, that's what it felt like is that they knew what was coming. But, uh, he adjusted. He pitched backwards the next time he saw him up in Milwaukee. And that was the one win against him. Um, but other than that, I mean, they got shut out back-to-back one nothing games right before the break, coming out of the break. By, by the Brewers, uh, and then the next game was a three-to-nothing loss. So three I, – I, that was the first time that had happened in maybe decades, uh, three consecutive uh, shutout losses, all against the Brewers. So, uh, you know, as many close games as they played, uh, you know, it was also just Brewers pitching, stifling them. I'll tell you something else. I mentioned the teams um, handling their running game better. The Brewers are really good at that uh, from a pitching standpoint as much as anything. And Corbin Burns talked about this. I went over to their clubhouse. The first, I think it was the first series of the year at Wrigley uh, and uh, talked to him after he had pitched. And I said, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. You can tell me about these new rules and what you think. And I said, I thought it was interesting that right away in your first start, you threw over twice on a guy. And, you know, as we know, the third one is, is do or die at that point. And he said, uh, we talked a lot about that in spring training and had meetings on it as a pitching staff, trying to come up with ways to make the new rules work in our favor as a pitching staff instead of the design favor of the of the runner. And I think he's done that. I, you know, I think he's got the balls to do it. He's one of those guys that that knows he's got the, and the talent to do it. He's one of those guys that knows I can throw over there. And if and maybe and I probably and this is the thing they've done, right? The third time, nobody thinks you're throwing a third time. So how many times have we seen guys picked off on the third throw over? Cause at that point they're leaning and, or they're taking an extra step. So he did that. He did that uh, at least once, maybe twice since the break against the, against the reds. And uh, so their running game was almost non-existent against the brewers after that crazy Ellie De La Cruz, Steal <laughs> of second, third, and home within two pitches. That was their one win in a four-game series there up there right before the break. Now, if the Cubs are going to win this series or at least split, I mean, you know, at this point, like I said, we're we're running low on time. Splits just burn days off the calendars. What do you think the Cubs are going to need to do if they are going to win this series against Cincinnati? Well, the big the big thing is what they're doing right now, right? I mean, last night, what was the score last night? Uh, lower. Three to, are you talking about the Cubs game? The Cubs game, three to two. Three two, yeah. Three two. Before that, I think they'd average something like seven runs a game for a week. That's that's what they need to do because right now the the Reds are in LA. Um, they should have 
I hope I got this right. I, I think they've got Abbott and Ashcraft in that Dodgers series. Um, only one of those guys would be able to pitch. Well, I'll put it this way. I don't know if either one of those guys pitches the day before the all the day before the trade deadline. So they won't influence uh, anything for the Cubs that way. Um, but uh, other than that, it's, you got to take advantage. You got to, you got to take advantage of that starting pitching. Um, and uh, if, <laughs> if, if you want a scouting report, uh, if you want to mitigate your Ellie De La Cruz damage, throw a lefty because he's so far, even though he's a natural right-handed hitter, technically they started switch hitting when he was like eight or 10. Um, he's just a guy right-handed. He's hmm. dangerous as hell left-handed. Plus he's that much closer to first base to beat out a grounder. Uh, so, and that's where he gets all his power. It's where he does all, all his damage. So uh, start smiley, start steel in that series. And then, and then take advantage of their pitching, but this is this team leads the National League in comeback wins. They first week I covered them, they came back from two four run deficits and a six run deficit um, to beat the um, well they did the Dodgers in back to back games, and then oh it was in a week because they went into Houston, they swept Houston at Houston and came back from a big deficit. These guys. I mean, they're just too young to know any better. They're freaking <laughs> idiots. Um, they think they can win every game, even when they fall behind. Their worst starting pitcher, Luke Weaver, has like an eight and a half, nine ERA or something like that. They're nine and one in his last 10 starts. Oh, my God. And almost all of them, they fall behind big early and they wind up coming back and winning. So it's that's one of those fluke things. Uh, but uh, they're – it's going to be after facing the White Sox and the Cardinals. If they're not ready for high energy, it's going to be a massive wake up call in that first game. They should be scouting reports should tell them that, but they, they will have just spent a week playing a couple of dead teams walking. And sometimes that can lull you a little bit into thinking, hey, you know, we got it going, you know, we're going to come in here and these guys are just going to, well, can I say bitch slap? Yeah, gonna, I mean they're going to just come in and 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 just kind of pester you to death. Um, they, they, every everybody in that lineup, they might have the best number nine hitter in the game. Um, Will Benson. Will Benson's hitting it better than anybody this side of Shohei Otani for about the last month or two, and he and he just sits there lurking in the nine hole. He only plays against right-handers, so again, make sure you start the lefties in the series. Um, but this, this guy's really dangerous. They got him for nothing from uh, Cleveland last year. And he's one of the few guys – he's 25 years old. He's one of the few guys that has playoff experience. And he's been, he's been raking, and it's not an aberration. All right. Well, at least you've gotten Cub fans here prepared. Gordon, when, where can Cub fans follow you and get more information about the Reds before the Caesar start, series starts here? Well, you can get it from Charlie Goldsmith, who's, uh, who's my backup who's out in LA uh, filling in for me leading up to this. Um, it, it, I think he's just C is it C under it's some weird C underscore Goldsmith. Just look char up Charlie Goldsmith. Um, and he does a good job out there. Uh, so uh, you'll be, yeah, you'll definitely 
you'll definitely be prepared to know what to look for if you follow him this weekend. Um, I, it's going to be a great series, man. You know, Cubs haven't faced the Braves yet. That's going to be big. The, the Reds are done with them. The Reds are done with Milwaukee. Um, this is, this is really going to go, you know, whoever, if the Reds fall out of it, you know, it could be Cubs Brewers down a stretch. And I think they finish with each other. If, if the Cubs fall out of it, it could be Reds Brewers and they don't play each other the rest of the way uh, there. It's going to be fascinating, not just to see what happens at the trade deadline, but everything that comes after that in this division, because now instead of just being a crap division, it looks like there's a, it, a couple, two and a half good teams. And I don't know who the half is. I don't know which one I'm identifying as the half, but there's two and a half good teams in there where like the AL central is still just all crap. Oh, but yeah. th- there might be a, there, there might be a wild card comes out of this division. All righty. Well, if you are interested, you can follow Gordon at GWMLB. Gordon, excited for your return to Chicago. Thank you for jumping on and giving us some background on the Reds. And I wish you guys luck the rest of the season. Well, I don't know if I wish you luck. I I wish the Cubs finish ahead of you, but that you get to enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, You too, Crowley. Thanks for having me on. This is Season 2, Episode 57 of the Fly the W670 Podcast. Bellinger is staying. All right, Crawley, we talked about it a little bit so far in the podcast, but let's uh, go over those standings one more time. Yep, when we look here, you got Cincinnati has retaken first place. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They absolutely did a number on the Dodgers this weekend, so the, uh, looking hot right now. Milwaukee is 4-6 and six in their last 10. They're on a three-game losing streak. They had to face Atlanta, who is the Cubs' next opponent. So that's not a – this is going to be a rough week. The Cubs are 53-52, and 52, one game over 500. They're four games back from the Reds. Uh, they're 3.5, like I said, in the wild card. Eight and two in their last ten, and they're, they've lost They lost yesterday So on Sunday. So one game losing streak. Pittsburgh has hopped over St. Louis. They are 47-48, and 48, 9.5 back. They're on a two-game winning streak. And St. Louis – the Cubs, I feel, have finally buried them. You saw that with the White Flags trades yesterday. Uh, and they are 47 and 63 and 7 in their last 10. And they won yesterday. So that's where we are standings wise. Beautiful. All right. Now we get to, uh, as we are sitting here, Crowley, it is uh, trade deadline eve. Tomorrow, Tuesday, 5 o'clock is the deadline. And there are lots of rumors buzzing around. Yep, Jesse Rogers from ESPN reported that sources have told him that Cody Bellinger is off the table, which is what we were all looking to hear. One thing interesting, Stroman wasn't mentioned in that report, so that's something to keep an eye on. Rogers also mentioned lefties Brad Hand and Brent Suter from Colorado. Suter is familiar to Cub fans from when he was playing with Milwaukee. Uh, Rogers also mentioned the Cubs are asking the White Sox about Aaron Bummer. Um, and so, you know, the White Sox are saying no, but at this point, it looks like they're really, I've heard them even talking possibly about Dylan Cease and Luis Roberts. So, so anything's on the table here. Uh, Mike Rodriguez reports the Cubs are still interested in third baseman Jaime Candelario from the Nationals and Mike, along with, uh, Odyssey insider and 670 score contributor, um, Bruce Levine are both mentioning Pirates closer, David Benar, two-time all-star. I had someone on Twitter telling me, well, we got a closer. You tell me you don't want a better closer and then put Al's lie in the eighth. 
Right. I mean, come on, let's 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 shorten these games here. Uh, Tom Locks has reported that the Cubs have checked in with the Padres to ask about Josh Hader and the Mariners about Paul Seawald. And so what you're starting to see a pattern here, Dustin, from a lot of these names, whether you're talking about Brad Hand or Brent Suter or Aaron Bummer or David Bednard or Hader or Seawald, these are all bullpen pieces. And that is clearly, again, I, I am not really comfortable with the Cubs bullpen. I'm very happy that Elzelai is having the season he is. Lighter sometimes makes me a little bit nervous. Merriweather's had his moments. I would like to get a couple more solid bullpen arms. I think that would make a difference. As far as third baseman, I really don't know what's – I mean, I heard Jaime got – Kainalario was injured the other day. I don't know how bad it was. But, uh, you know, obviously you'd like another bat at third, but I think they'd be comfortable sticking with Nicky Magical if he plays like he did before he got injured. Yep, I agree so, with you. I think they're I think they're comfortable, but it's just they're they're still looking for some power. I think that's that's what you're talking about is where in the lineup could you add a little bit of power and not give up too much defense. And and the thing that you worry about is Morell. Every place he's played defensively, I've kind of cringed. You know, he'll make some Yeah, they can't they can't find a spot. Can't find you know, a spot he, for the guy. He played left on Sunday and he had that one bad play that cost him a run, but he also had two a good throw and a good catch but he's just not consistent enough for me to be comfortable there. So, you know, I, I think third would be a place that the Cubs could upgrade. It's just a matter of who. And then I thought it was interesting. Bruce Levine, we mentioned him earlier. He does hit and run on Saturdays with your uh, morning show cohort, uh, uh, David Haw. And he mentioned that the Cubs are going to be all in on Shohei Otani. So let's Why would you sure hope so, right? You, you, you want him at the table. You want him negotiating. You want them to be part of it. So uh, hopefully uh, – and Bruce isn't just putting that out there. Bruce is hearing things, and he reports what he hears. Now, we've also had some uh, roster and injury news. We obviously already talked about the fact that Nicky Madrigal was activated from the 10-day IL, and Miles Master Boney was the option there. What else is happening on the uh, roster, Carly? Yeah, we know Hayden Wesniski was called up from AAA to open the second game in front of Smiley. Michael Rucker was optioned to Iowa. Keegan Thompson, that's a name we haven't heard in a long time. And I think this is where the Cubs bullpen kind of ended up starting shaky is that the is two guys that had really good years for the Cubs, uh, Keegan Thompson and Brandon Hughes, both ended up on the IL, right? And so mm -hmm. we know Brandon Hughes is playing catch. He's going to be throwing bullpens. But Keegan Thompson is off the IL. He pitched on Sunday with the Iowa Cubs. He went two innings pitch, gave up one run, four Ks, and zero walks. So sometimes, Dustin, you know, you don't make a move, but you get guys back, which is just as good. Just as like a move, a right? Move. Mm -hmm. so Absolutely you right. There. Now, there's one other roster move we have to talk about. It's a procedural move. Edwin Rios was outrighted to open up a 40-man spot. He's still in Iowa, no problem, but he's not on the 40-man roster anymore. So what that tells you is that the Cubs' 40-man roster is 39, so if they are getting someone, there's a spot open and you do not have to make any more moves. Right, absolutely. I, and uh, I, the other thing, just really quick on Keegan, I, I like the no walks, that, that – that, uh, that made me happy as well. All right, if, Carly. If Keegan can do what he did last season, it would be a huge addition. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about a huge, huge series. Starts tonight, all night games, four games. First place Reds in here versus the Cubs that are above 500. I'll be going on Tuesday, so fingers crossed. So far this season, the Cubs are one and four against the Reds. They split when they uh, played Chicago in April. It was the second series of the year. The third game was rained out. 
And then the Cubs got swept at the end of May at Wrigley Field, which was really uh, when if you listen to the interview with Gordo that we had, that was really the start of the Reds. Uh, strong season. Justin Steele got crushed in game one. Hunter Green picked up the win as the Cubs lost nine, nothing. Jamison Tyone and the bullpen struggled and Brandon Williamson picked up the win as the Reds took this one eight to five and eight to five was the score of the third game. The sweep as Graham Ashcroft got the win over Drew Smiley. And so this is a team right now that the, you know, there's a few other players. You got you got uh, Andrew Abbott was not up when the Cubs played last. Ellie De La Cruz was not up the last time that the Cubs last played the Reds. So the Reds are a stronger team than what the Cubs saw at the uh, end of May. So buckle your seatbelts. Yeah, and as you as you as you pointed out earlier too, Crowley. You know, nine runs, eight runs, eight runs. So the uh, the Reds can produce some runs. There's no doubt about that. And you know, listen, when the Cubs get five runs, you feel pretty good, but you can't let up eight, or you're going to lose the game. Right. They're just they're, they are that good of an offensive team. Now, here's the thing is that they are their starting pitching is weak. And that was talks about them maybe looking. I know they were even kicking around with the White Sox, but but they're pitching. You know, the hitting is what everybody's been focusing on and, and rightfully so. But but they're hitting late. Their pitching lately has gotten a lot better, which is not anything anybody wants to hear. No. All right, Crowley, time for Marcus Stroman to get back as the ace. I'm done hearing about the blisters on his finger. It's time for him to go, and it's a tough matchup in uh, game number one tonight at Wrigley. <laughs> yeah, you're picking a rough game for him to pull it together. 10-7, and 7, 351 ERA. The last uh, three games, you know, we've talked about that Boston series enough. He did good on that one, but against the White Sox, he went 3.1, gave up nine hits, seven earned runs, two walks. And against St. Louis, he only went 3.2 innings, gave up seven hits, four runs, four walks. He has been struggling. Yes, I hate to mention the blister, but ever since then, that's just where you can circle that the problems have started. I don't think it's mental. I don't think it's trade deadline stuff. I think that there is a, a mechanical problem related to that injury. I'm not saying the blister's the problem, but I think he may have altered or changed something yep. that is affecting Overcompensating, him right now. something's going on. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And and you and I both know that we trust, um, uh, you know, Tommy Hadovy and Chris Young and all the uh, Daniel Moscow, all the guys that work in the uh, Cubs pitching department to to fix it. But you know, we we got to get moving on this one. Yeah, and Tommy Hadovy will be a guest on Wednesday morning with Mully and Haw. So if you're listening to this, make sure you tune in for that. And make sure to ask him if if they've seen anything with that slider ever since that blister. I I am curious. Absolutely, we'll do. Now, taking a look at Andrew Abbott, age 24. He was the uh, second round, uh, 53rd overall pick from the Reds in the 2021 draft. Young kid. He has a 6-2 and two record with a 190 ERA, Dustin. Look out for this kid. He absolutely shut down the Brewers. Went six innings, gave up seven hits, zero earned runs, nine strikeouts, and one K. Against San Francisco, another good team. All these teams are postseason teams right now that you're looking at. Eight innings pitch, one hit, zero earned runs, two walks and six Ks. And against Milwaukee, he ended up going six innings. He gave up three hits, a whopping two earned runs, two walks and three Ks. That was a bad start for that guy. Um, <laughs> so, That's a bad start, right? Yeah, well, look out. But he made his debut on June 5th. 
So it was June 5th that you see him kind of getting, you know, called up. And, and so it's, it's one of these things right now where this kid has played really, really good. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie and say, I'm not nervous. Yeah, I understand that. But uh, let's put uh, Marcus Stroman on the bump. The Cubs got the loss out of the way, so the, the winning streak is over. Gave a couple of guys a day off leading into this series, like Ian Happ. So let's uh, let's let's just you know keep our fingers crossed, going positive. But uh, Marcus Stroman's going to have to be the April May Marcus Stroman for this to go to the Cubs' way tonight. Right, and so. Game two, you see Justin Steele. I will be at the game. I will see the pride of Lucidale, Mississippi on the mound. And I cannot <laughs> tell you, I love it. 11 and 3, 287 ERA. Uh, last three starts against uh, St. Louis, six innings pitch, gave up five hit, one earned run. Um, against the Cardinals before that, six innings pitch, two earned runs. And he had that bad start in Boston. But, uh, been pitching really, really well. And, and the Cubs have got to be happy to have him on the mound. Oh, that's a I'm just, I love how this one lines up. I mean, you get all your, your best guys going right off the bat. Yep. And Cincinnati's going to counter with Ben Lively. Uh, ben Lively's four and six with a 376 ERA. But like I told you, these guys, the pitching is starting to click, which makes you a little bit nervous. Against Milwaukee, 6.2 innings pitch. He gave up eight hits, but only two earned runs. He lost that game, but it wasn't his fault. Against Arizona, he only went 4.2 innings pitch. He gave up three earned runs. And against Milwaukee before that, four innings, he gave up three hits and one earned run. So not efficient with his pitches. So hopefully the Cubs can do something with that. But unfortunately, the uh, Reds' uh, relief has been pretty good as well. So Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Game three is going to see Drew Smiley. Uh, this is, it's already announced. So yeah, no I, was, I was surprised by that. So they, they like what they saw. So they're ready to give him the opportunity. We got I a think, left-hander versus a left-hander in this one, Crowley. I think it was specifically done for St. Louis. Both St. openers Louis. were against St. Louis. So I think that was a strategy specifically directed at the Cardinals and nobody else. Um, maybe if there's a team that really is super right-handed heavy and has good right-handed stats, maybe they'll try it again. Uh, but, but, but right now you got Drew Smiley right here. Uh, he is eight and seven with a 450 ERA. We've talked about his Jekyll and Hyde season uh, against the Cardinals. 4.1 innings pitch. He did not start the game. He went, gave up two hits and one earned run. After that, the previous start was against the Cardinals as well. Went 3.2 innings. Also did not start. Gave up six hits and four earned runs. And against the lowly Washington Nationals on 7-17, he went six innings pitch. Gave up eight hits and five earned runs. So on the other side, we have left-handed pitcher Brandon Williamson. The Cubs saw him earlier in the year. And again, they didn't win any of the games when they uh, last faced off in May. But Williamson wasn't like overwhelming or anything like that. 3-2, and two, 448 ERA against the Dodgers. How about this? 5.2 innings pitch, 8 hits, 2 earned runs, but he had 4 walks. Against Arizona, who's been struggling lately, 6 innings pitch, 3 hits, 1 earned run. And against the Giants, six innings pitch, four hits, two earned runs, and three walks. So another one of those Reds pitchers that have picked it up as of late. Yeah, they've uh, they, they've got things going in their direction. There's no doubt about that. A lot of guys that we may not know their names, but we're going to get to know them over the next four days. That's for sure. Right, and then Jamison Tyone will finish it up for the Cubs. 
Um, he has been picking it up as of late. Look at this, Dustin. He's at five and six with a 546 ERA. So the ERA has gone down about two runs. He's got, he's almost at 500 as far as his win loss total, which looked unthinkable for a while. Six innings against the Cardinals, two hits, one earned run. He went 5.2 innings against the Cardinals before that, seven hits, one earned run. And against Washington, 5.2 innings pitch, seven hits, three earned run. So, um, you know, he had had the walks down his previous start against St. Louis, only one walk and only one walk against Washington. But like you said, he had just one bad inning against St. Louis uh, this weekend, and that led to the four walks, three of them in one inning. So Yeah, you got to keep those down against the Reds because you put extra guys on. These guys can score runs, so you don't want him to give him any freebies, that's for sure. Right, like you said, that you know that one inning he gave he walked the bases loaded with two outs. You do that against the Reds, you're 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 cruising for a bruising. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> cruising for a bruising. Hey Crowley, we talked about this earlier before we started the podcast. Is this fourth game was this scheduled this way or is this the makeup? No, this because was scheduled. First- this this is scheduled okay, so this way. When is the? Do you know when the makeup is? Got to double check. I'm not exactly positive, but I I don't believe that this is the makeup. Is it? We'll get that information later. I just thought maybe you might know off the top of your head. Right. It was, I thought it was always scheduled that way because I had the tickets. So I want to say that there may be another time that they're going to do it. It looks, yeah, it's in September, in early September. It's Labor Day weekend. And that's going to be, it was in Cincinnati is when it happened, the rain out. So they're going to be playing two games on that Friday. Gotcha. All right. Thank you, Carly. And then uh, facing our friend, Jameson Tyone, Luke Weaver, two and three, 680. This is the one you got to take, Dustin. This is the one you got to take. But again, these guys are, are, are hot right now against the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers we're talking about. He went six innings pitch. He went two hits. He gave up one earned run, two walks, two strikeouts, and he got saddled with the loss. I mean, so that wasn't his fault by any stretch of the imagination. But before that, against Arizona, he went only four innings. He gave eight hits, three earned runs, and two walks. And against San Francisco, 2.2 innings, four hits, four runs before they pulled him. So this is one that hopefully the Cubs can pull out here. Yes, indeed. I hope they can, of course, Crowley, because this is the Fly the W670 podcast. Come on. Of course, we're hoping for them to win some games. All right. Hot and not time, Crowley. Hot and not time. So uh, obviously, you know, it was a, it was a fun weekend. Hot Christopher Morrell is now in a hot streak. Eight for his last 18 with the home run and five RBIs. He's slashing 444, 524, 667 in his last seven days. So good to see Christopher Morrell back on a hot streak. How about Jan Gomes? Nine for his last 21, one home run, five RBIs, slashing 429, 478, 762. So he is hot right now. And the knots? On the knots, Danby Swanson cooling off a little bit. I think he hurt his hand a little bit. I'm wondering if that's affecting him a little bit. He's five for his last 21, two home runs, six RBIs. He has 10 strikeouts, though, to three walks. and he's That's what I don't like. A lot of strikeouts for him lately. A lot of strikeouts. Slashing 238, 325, 24. So not great right now. And then Seiya Suzuki, either hot or cold, right? Three for his last 23. He's sla- one, he has one RBI. He's slashing 130, 259, 217 his last seven days. Well, that's got to get better if the Cubs are going to do anything. All right, let's talk about the Reds. We talked about, I mentioned, we're going to start to learn about these guys over the next week. So let's talk about the hot. 
All right. When we talk about the hot, look out for L- Matt McClain. He is the shortstop, and he has been doing phenomenal for the Reds all year. Six for his last 20 with the home run and two RBIs, slashing 300, 417, 550. And it's funny, after I was looking at Ellie De La Cruz, he was cold, and then against the Dodgers, he got hot. Eight for his last 27 with two home runs, three RBIs. He strikes out a lot, 10 strikeouts to one walk. But he's slashing 296, 321, 630. As Gordo said the other day, you really want to have your lefties because he struggles against lefties. But against righties, be very, very, very careful. Yes, yes, indeed. And the not? Jonathan India. There was talks that maybe he might be on the trade block three for his last yeah, I remember 12, that. Yeah. one RBI. He's slashing 250, 253, 33. Um, Joey Votto, I mean, I hate to say this, you know, just cause I love the guy, but he's kind of on his last legs five for his last 22. He did have a home run in four RBIs. He slashed. Well, he's been two- a Cubs killer for a long time and loves to hit in Wrigley field. Oh, absolutely. 227, 282, 409. Uh, I was at the barrel room one, uh, I think it was a couple years ago. I was at the barrel room along the first base side. And I remember Joey Votto hit like three home runs in the series. And he was kind of just playing some catch right along the, uh, Red's dugouts, and I'm kind of heckling him. I Joey Votto, knock it off. Stop it. Stop hitting home runs. And I'm just just about 15 minutes laying into Joey Votto, telling him to stop hitting home runs. He hits a home run in his first at bat, and he looks right at me and gives me the shush sign. So <laughs> no, no good on that. So I, I'm going to give you advice. Don't taunt him because it didn't work out for me. Uh, Spencer Steer's another guy that's struggling. He's a first baseman, four for his last 20 one home run, three RBIs, slashing 200, 238, and 250. So these guys got a lot of young talent, man, and so you, you really got to be careful. Absolutely. All right, Crowley, let's go. Prediction time. Oh, boy, this is this is a, a really – I think this is probably one of the tougher ones we've had. I don't like it because it doesn't help the Cubs, but I feel like a split is coming. I like the Cubs in game two and four. Game three is the one that I think the Cubs could st- they were to go three and one, but that's what I'm looking at split with game two and four going to the Cubs. Yeah, I think I've got to go split as well. We uh, thought that the Cubs would do well against the Cardinals. We were both very optimistic and that uh, paid uh, dividends, no doubt about that. But uh, two and two sounds about right. I- I'd like it to be better, of course, um, but uh, the the, uh, the Reds are uh, awfully good, but let's uh, let's see what the Cubs can do. Fingers crossed. Uh, Crowley, that's a wrap. The uh, episode 57 of season two, Bellinger's Stay and Put, is in the books. And don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram. You can email us, flythew670gmail.com. And, of course, you can watch us on the YouTube channel by subscribing to the 670 to score YouTube page. Crowley, enjoy the game on Tuesday night. We'll get back together uh, Friday morning, and we will recap this one. One thing to keep in mind, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Go Cubs! It's all over.